This is The Guardian. It's the news scientists were waiting for, but hoped would never come. As we saw it race down South America, it was on everyone's radar. The fact is, what is going to happen when it gets in the Antarctic region? And this was the region that people were really, really concerned about it reaching. And it's there now. Bird flu has finally made its way across the globe to one of the planet's most inhospitable and vulnerable regions. And it could spell disaster for some of our iconic species. Particularly when we think about Antarctica, it's probably the penguin populations. They're very social creatures and they're all in these massive groups. And it's so deadly and so contagious. It's just going to rip through these really fragile, isolated populations. The level of mortalities could be pretty horrific. The signs so far are troubling. Last week it was reported that at least one king penguin in the Antarctic is suspected to have died from bird flu. But the virus has the potential to be catastrophic for mammals too. The thing is with Arctic regions as well is that these species are already under so much pressure because of climate change and overfishing, which means that they're losing their source of food. And the idea of bird flu getting into them is another pressure that they could definitely do without. So what does the arrival of bird flu mean for the Antarctic region? And are there any signs from the rest of the world that this devastating outbreak could finally be slowing? I'm The Guardian science editor, Ian Sample, and this is Science Weekly. Phoebe Weston, you're a biodiversity reporter for The Guardian, and you've been watching the bird flu outbreak unfold. Give us a reminder, how and when did this first emerge? So the virus that we're seeing cause all this destruction is called H5N1. And this first originated in 1996 in some commercial geese in Southeast Asia. So H5N1 itself is not new, but it's changed. Its structure has been modified. And this new kind of sub-variant came around in 2021. So then, so yeah, it was first identified in the Great Skewer in Scotland, which are these magnificent seabirds. Um, and then it spread to our overwintering duck and geese population. So then they got it very badly in the winter of 2021. We saw a third of the Svalbard barnacle geese dying on the border between Scotland and England. And then that summer, it had gone into our breeding seabird populations. And this is a really significant change because previously it was in poultry. And if you get an outbreak, you cull the birds and you can contain it. But because it can now spread via wild birds, it's spreading along migratory routes. So it's become endemic, like it's, it's everywhere. It's here all year round. And Phoebe, through these migrating birds, it's now made its way beyond Europe to Africa and North and South America. But it's also spilled over into other species. What other animals are getting affected? We call this a bird flu. And initially, it was assumed it was a seabird population. And then it was found in badgers, foxes, otters, lots of mammals in the UK. Um, and it got into the mink farms. And then it's since been discovered in brown bears. Uh, a polar bear died at the beginning of this year. And there's been mass mortality in elephant seals and fur seals. It's a remarkable the number of animals it impacts. 
Give me a sense of the scale of the impact it's having. We we know that it's got into these different species, but are the actual numbers of animals high? In terms of numbers, it's hard to put a figure on it because lots of these animals are dying in the wild and their bodies are not collected and tested or recorded. But what we do know is pretty startling. So they think that 30,000 sea lions have died in South America. I mean, I looked into this in the UK because the government was saying that about 20,000 wild birds had died. And so I went through data collected by devolved governments and conservation groups. And the figure was more than double that. It was at least 50,000 birds had died. Globally, researchers are saying that several millions of wild birds have died. Towards the end of last year, it seems like something changed because this virus reached the Antarctic for the first time. Why was that such a big deal? It was a big deal and also kind of an inevitability because we'd seen it spread basically from North America all the way down South America. And I remember being in lots of these briefing calls and scientists would say, what's happening in South America is very bad, but we're really concerned about it getting to Antarctica because this is a really isolated region with species which are endemic to that area. They're found nowhere else. And they're also completely naive to bird flus, as in they've not had exposure to them before, which means that they're likely to be really badly impacted. That was kind of on everyone's radar. The fact is what is going to happen when it gets to Antarctica. So when it did in October last year, it was a very big deal. And Phoebe, what have we seen of bird flu's impact in Antarctica so far? As I mentioned, it came in early October in the island of South Georgia, which is the sub-Antarctic. It hasn't yet got to the Antarctica, the continent itself yet. So it was found in a brown skewer, which is a type of seabird. Um, And then a few weeks later, it was also found in the Falkland Islands in another seabird called the Southern Former. In January, it was detected in a Gentoo penguin in the Falkland Islands. And then there are suspected cases of a Gentoo penguin in South Georgia as well. And what we know of is probably a real underrepresentation of what's actually happening because there's just no one there to see it. But um, of what we have seen of its spread in Antarctic so far, it seems to be behaving as it has done in every other part of the world, which is spreading within a number of different species very rapidly. And just last week, you reported that at least one king penguin is also suspected to have died from bird flu in South Georgia. Why is the spread to penguins so concerning? Yeah, so there are um, 20 million breeding pairs of penguins in the Antarctic region, and they can nest up into these vast colonies of up to a million nesting pairs in one colony. So these are like cities in this remote area. They're all really huddled together. And I was reading on the British Antarctic Survey website that emperor penguins can reach a density of 19 birds per square metre, which seems mad. But that gives you an indication like they couldn't possibly be closer. This kind of behaviour is like just the scale of it is unique. From a kind of disease perspective, that makes them particularly vulnerable. There was a preprint paper with a really astonishing quote on it, which, as you'll know, Ian, researchers are generally quite conservative about the way that they discuss these things. But they said in this research paper, if the virus does start to cause mass mortality events across penguin colonies, it could signal one of the largest ecological disasters of modern times. 
So the fact that it's in those colonies is incredibly concerning. And particularly the fact that it's in king penguins on South Georgia, because there are hundreds of thousands of them on that island. It's home to about half of the world's population of king penguins. The thing is with Arctic regions as well is that these species are already under so much pressure because of climate change and overfishing, which means that they're losing their source of food. In 2018, a study found that climate crisis and overfishing meant that the king penguins could disappear by the end of the century, which is quite alarming. And the idea of bird flu getting into them is sort of another pressure that they could definitely do without. Is there anything that can be done to protect these colonies? The brief answer is that no, I don't think there is much we can do. I think there are indirect things we can do. So if you want to give these populations the best chance you could, kind of make life more comfortable for them in other ways, it would be to address industrial fishing in the region. The elephant in the room is also climate change. Um, But these are obviously huge, huge issues. And in the sort of next few years, I can't see there's much that people can do to stop it ripping through these populations. Given these mass deaths of mammals we've seen, seals and sea lions, there's understandably concern that this virus might be spreading between mammals. What's the latest evidence on that? There were 17,000 baby elephant seals died in Argentina from H5N1 in October 2023. And this was quite an interesting case because those researchers said that those elephant seals had like no interaction with scavenging birds. So generally, when mammals die of bird flu, we can never be sure whether they got it from each other or they got it from the wider environment. Like lots of the mammals that have got it are scavengers. If you think of bears, foxes, badgers, but actually these baby elephant seals were drinking milk from their mothers. And so researchers felt that given the sheer number of them that died in such a small period of time, that it was very likely it was mammal to mammal spread. And it does raise this inevitable question about whether we could see this type of bird flu, this virus spread between humans. I mean, is there any thinking at the moment about the potential for that to happen, for it to become a a disease that we spread between ourselves? There have been cases of H5N1 in people. And quite worryingly, the death rate when it does get into people is high. So WHO says that 860 people have been infected with H5N1. And out of that, 53% of them died. Um, H5N1 doesn't spread easily into humans. So the people that have died thus far have been people who work very closely with infected birds. So it can spread into people, but not between them yet. I don't really know. I mean, it's there's always a concern, but I think that's not at the forefront of our minds at the moment. Just to wrap up, Phoebe, what are scientists and conservationists keeping their eyes on now with this? I think it's all eyes on the Antarctic to see what happens next. We will see what happens with these penguin colonies. I'm quite concerned myself. And also, one last thing, it's some research from a UK government agency found that out of northern gannets on Scotland's Bass Rock, which was hit really hard by avian flu in 2022, they found that 30% of them had antibodies. Uh, They also tested shags and found that about half of them had antibodies. 
So that's hopeful. It shows that wild birds can survive this disease and can gain some level of immunity. As with COVID, we don't know how long that immunity would last for, but that is positive in that it shows that some birds can survive it. It seems like the place where this whole story started, they're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. It does, <laughs> it gets better, but not without causing a lot of destruction in the meantime. Well, it's clearly a crisis we need to keep an eye on. Thanks so much for taking us through it, Phoebe. Thanks, Ian. Thanks again to Phoebe Weston. You can keep up to date with all her reporting at theguardian.com. And that's it from us today. This episode was produced by Madeline Finley, sound designed by Jill Cox. And the executive producer is Ellie Bury. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. Hey, it's Mike here, one of the hosts of The Guardian's award-winning daily news podcast, Today in Focus. Every weekday morning, we bring you a single story, going beyond the headlines and taking you closer to The Guardian's global journalism. Combining personal storytelling with analysis, we take you inside the stories that matter most. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Guardian. The Guardian. 